Welcome to the Kimberly Elaine Show. My name is Kimberly Elaine, and today I have a very special guest for you, my wonderful dear friend, Bethany. You may have heard her on my previous podcast, so you're in for a treat with this one. Today, we're going to talk about her story with adoption. Please stay tuned, grab some tea, grab something to eat, and enjoy the show. To the Kimberly Elaine podcast. My name is Kimberly, and today I have the most beautiful special guest, Bethany. Hello, Bethany. Hello, Kimberly. How are you today? I am wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. You were a hit last time, so. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what you kind of want to talk about today. Um, so yeah, so I I reached out, everyone, I reached out to Kimberly because we had such a good time on our last interview, and she's such a good uh, host that (laughs) I thought, you know, if I'm going to talk to anyone about this in a public forum, the person I would want to talk about it with would be Kimberly. So um, I have been going through some transformational times lately. Um, I am adopted. And I recently connected with my birth father for the very first time. And um, it's a long story and we'll get into the nitty gritty in a little bit, but um, it's it's been quite a journey. I've been working on finding my um, biological family for a long time and all of it has been coming to fruition really recently. And it's been amazing and, um, and emotional and life-changing. So it's something that I am excited to talk about and um, to dig into, so. Thank you, first of all, for coming on my podcast and being vulnerable and being open and trusting us, you know, with this safe and precious information you're gonna talk to us about. Yeah, and thank you for being such a wonderful interviewer in the first place, but you were the first person I thought of. Oh, thank you so much, Bethany. I would love to just dive right into this. This is going to be a wonderful episode. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you grew up? Um, yeah. So um, I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, I am a Midwesterner <laughs> and grew up with a lot of cheese and uh, football and things like that. Um, my nuclear family is my mom and my dad that I grew up with, my adopted parents, um, and two sisters who are younger than me. Uh, My two sisters are biological to my parents that I grew up with. And um, so I'm the oldest and I'm the only one who's adopted. Um, We are all um, similar and like in age and like I'm the shortest. I look a little different <laughs> than everybody else. Um, but you know, we all have the same skin tone. We're all European ancestry. Um, and so I fit in for the most part um, of what I looked like with my family. Um, and I grew up in a small town um, when I was little. And then when I was about uh, three or four, we moved out to the country and we lived on a lake. And I grew up going to church and school in the town that was close by, like maybe a 20 minute drive away. Um, but it was it was wow. lovely. I got to grow up 
out in nature and went on hikes and um, swimming in the lake and ice skating. And um, it was pretty cool. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I can tell like the natural part of you, you know, like you're very, you know, you love height, you know, the earth and, and just feel very like a very nature person to me. Yeah, I think I've always been that way. I, I think that was just like something in me that I've I've always had. So wow. um, I never liked the cold, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. That Midwest will get you. Yeah. Like California is definitely more my style for weather. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, do you remember being told you were adopted or was it a part of your story from the get go? And how did you kind of talk about it? What were the conversations like? Yeah. Um, so my parents were really straightforward with me about being adopted from the get go. Um, I don't remember the first time that they told me. So I was pretty young when they were telling me about it as I was growing up. Um, but I didn't know all the details um, until I was older. Um, and I mean, I didn't know, I still don't know all of the details, but like I learned a lot more about it when I was 17 and I sat them down and, and said, okay, like I know that you guys know more than you're telling me. So go ahead and tell me the rest. Um, but when I was growing up, it was, it was definitely like a, a known thing in my family that I was adopted, like it wasn't a secret. Um, and I, I knew what adoption was. And I knew that, like, that they were my family that I grew up with, but that I also had other family out there. Um, mm. And that, you know, that I came out of somebody else's tummy, if you will. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. What was it like hearing this? Do you remember for like the first time you kind of, you heard about this, that you were adopted? Um, I don't remember the first time that I heard that I was adopted. Um, but I do, I do remember a few key, key points along the way. And sorry if my voice is, uh, cutting out a little bit. I am still recovering from some laryngitis that I had a week or two ago. Um, so a little water break. Um, no problem. hope so, you feel better, you know? Yeah, I'm feeling fine, but my voice sometimes does fun things. Um, so, yeah, I grew up always knowing that I was adopted, but I remember a few key moments of um, realizing what that meant. And um, there were a few times in my childhood that I remember distinctly asking my adopted parents for more information and them not being willing to give that to me um, because I, I, I'm assuming it's because they were worried that it would hurt and that they were trying to protect me. Um, but I remember, you know, maybe when I was eight, nine, 10 years old, something around there, um, asking for more information and them saying, no, oh, when you're older, when you're older. And um, and them always saying, you know, but we know that your your mom loved you and that's why she gave you up for adoption and that she she cared about you and wanted what was best for you and, and that kind of thing. Um, and I remember getting frustrated in my my late childhood, early adolescence at some point and going, well, they're just never going to tell me the truth. And so I started getting a little salty about it. Um, so I stopped asking for a while. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of held on to that for a couple of years. And then when I was 17, I um, I kind of had like a, a moment because what they had told me was that in the state of Wisconsin, you can register with the state when you turn 18 if you're adopted and um, to request that your um, adoption papers are be released. Mm-hmm. And they, in with closed adoptions, they wouldn't release them unless your birth mother also signed paperwork on, around your eight, after you're 18 um, that said like that they wanted you or wanted that to happen also. So it had to be a mutual decision. Um, But I had always, like since the time that they had told me about that, I had always wanted to do that when I turned 18. Um, And it's not that I was looking for something better than what I had. It's just that I wanted to know my story and Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what happened and I wanted to know who my family was and where I came from. Um, so I, that was, that date was fast approaching and I was, I was 17 and I remember over the, uh, over the summer, I was at a summer camp and kind of thinking this out loud with some friends that I made at camp. And one of my friends was like, well, you know, you should just ask your parents, like, to tell you more um, so that you know what to do when you get to the state to to get this information. You should tell them that you wanna know and that you're almost 18 and that that, that's what you want. So so I wrote them a letter because I was too scared to talk about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I wrote them a letter, but then watched them read it. and they looked at each other and they said, okay, um, I guess, I guess it's time. And my, I think it was my dad. Yeah. My dad went upstairs to the file cabinet and brought, and pulled down a file from the file cabinet. Wow. And, um, and then they told me more about my story and what happened. And um, so the, the short version <laughs> is that there really wasn't any uh, adoption records for me to look up because I didn't have a, a traditional adoption um, because there was no record of who my birth mother was because I was found in a car. Wow. And what, what, what were yeah. you thinking? <laughs> What was going through I your mean, head? I think, I think I was just taking it all in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I was thinking at the time. I, I was just taking it all in. Um, and, the, you know, they talk about, um, in adoption circles, they talk about this, I, um, what is it called? The ghost kingdom, I think is the term, um, where you as an adopted kid, you kind of build up this imaginary family um, of where you came from. And I had come up with all kinds of crazy scenarios. You know, my mom was like a princess and nobody could know that she had a baby because of the lineage of the royal line or something ridiculous. (laughs) Um, 
you know, and I, everything from that to like, she's some mythological creature and I'm not actually human or, you know, like just all over the place. Um, but, you know, what I think I remember the most about that moment was feeling kind of like that kingdom crumbled um, because every, every scenario that I had come up with, it didn't fit this story of um, of that that my mother basically was unattainable to me that I couldn't that I wouldn't be able to find her, um, and so that that hope that I had of filling out that paperwork when I was eighteen that kind of crumbled, and um, and now I know um, through a lot of process and a lot of learning and therapy and. And we have more words for things now than when I was younger, um, that I was going through a traumatic experience and, um, and I, I dissociated. So I felt a little bit out of body for a while, um, especially in the first day or so after that. Um, and, you know, I, I, I got to look at the police reports and newspaper clippings cause I was in the news and, um, and what other people had to say about it, which was hard to see. Um, but, you know, it, it just was a, a very big changing moment in my life um, of realizing that this um, imaginary path that I had set in front of myself was not going to be the path that I was on. Wow. It sounds like you've had a lot on your plate ever since you were little. I know that you probably have gone through many, many, many struggles and frustrations growing up. Do you, can you tell us some of your like struggles growing up and dealing with, you know, this as being someone that is adopted and kind of searching for those answers? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, um, I think I think it's hard for anyone who's adopted, even even if you have the best family in the world, even if you grew up and I was very lucky. I had um, I, I grew up in a good house and I went to a good school and, um, you know, I had sisters and and um, and all of that. And like I just even if you have everything go perfectly well, it's still really hard to know that there's this piece of your history that you're not connected to and that mm -hmm. you don't have um, answers about. And I think it's something that it seems to me anyway, that I, people who aren't adopted just don't think about it. They don't have mm -hmm. to, they don't, they don't have to think about it because it's just um, an everyday regular thing. It's like breathing air, you know? We don't think mm -hmm. about breathing in and out every moment. Um, we just do it. And I think to a certain extent, people who grow up with their biological families, they just don't think about it because they don't need to. It's just kind of a normal thing. And like, these are my parents and they look like me and my my sisters look like me and, and the, this is where we came from in our family history. And this is, 
if I have kids, they will have these people's DNA and, um, and this is our culture of how we grew you know, how we came to America, for example, for those of us who are, um, who have ancestors who immigrated to the United States. Um, but for me, it was, it was just much more present. Like it was something that was always tickling the back of my brain. Um, if, if we had a, a report at school, for example, of like, um, you know, we would do like an art project where you're going to draw your family tree or make a coat of arms for your family or write a report about the country that your family immigrated from. Um, I, I never knew what to do with those projects because I, it's not that I didn't feel like my family was my family, like that my adopted family was my family. Like everybody made sure that they reiterated to me that I was as much a part of the family as anyone else. But there was part of me that knew like if I fit, filled out a family tree that it wasn't entirely accurate. And if I made it a coat of arms, it's like, okay, well, do I make one for my adopted family? Or do I make one that's completely fictional based on who I think my family might be? Or because either one felt like a lie to me. And I've, I've had a thing about lying my whole life. I don't know what it is, but I, I really don't like not telling the truth if I can. Mm -hmm. um, so it always felt weird to be telling half truths and not being able to tell people the full story. I feel like you, I mean, I'm just speaking as if, if I was going through something like that, I feel like you'd always feel like there's some sort of like missing puzzle piece and you wouldn't be able to really get that piece filled unless you met like your birth parents. Am I right? Or. Yeah. And, and, you know, you fill it with fiction because it's a, it's a thing. And again, I've talked to people who, like they didn't have as much of a yearning as I do <clears throat> to find their biological family. Like they're like, this is the family I grew up with. This is my family. I don't need to find any of these other people, um, which is, which is very valid also. But I think that it's pretty natural for anyone. I've, I've heard about this from people who even grew up with like, let's say a different dad than like, you know, their, maybe their biological dad passed away and then their mom got remarried and they grew up with a different dad. I think that it's really common for people to fill in the, that puzzle piece, that space where a puzzle piece would be with um, fiction, with whatever they, whatever clues you could get from your environment and kind of create something to try to fit into that space. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, recently I've been fortunate enough to find my biological father and we've been building a relationship. Um, but even before I met him and even when I thought maybe I wouldn't find him, I, I still had that piece filled in my own way with mm -hmm. my sense of self and the things that make me who I am. And, um, and some of it is my chosen family, the, the people that I have spent 
years building relationships with who have had my back through some really hard times. Like I haven't been without, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, but it's not the same thing as it being filled in with the actual puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. If we're going to keep sense. the analogy going, it's like I made my own puzzle piece <laughs> um, <laughs> board or whatever I had around and like put it in there and it worked pretty good. Um, and you just, different, you know, exactly. And I'm, I'm proud of you for how you've kind of coped and, and managed and thrived given the, the life that you've been given and you've had a, you've had a lot of hardships and you've overcome and you're strong. And I'm so grateful that you found your father. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so I have, I would say since I was 17, um, I have definitely been on the hunt in one way or another for my biological family. Um, I started off with putting up, there were, you know, early internet days uh, back when I was a teenager (laughs) showing my age. Um, There was, oh, sorry. Um, So back in the early internet days, there were bulletin boards and um, like places you could post things that were very simple HTML sorts of websites. Um, but there was one that I think was called adoptionregistry.com or adoptee registry or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very simple HTML, but basically you could fill out a form with all your information of your name and like any other in anything else that you knew. So if you knew somebody's last name, you could put that in, um, you know, biological father's last name or biological mother's first name, or even if you had like a sibling or an aunt, or if you knew one person, you could put them in there. Um, and then there was a space to fill out like the day that you were born and where, um, if you had hospital information, and then you could fill out a note about more details of your story. And so I filled out something like that um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, when that first came around, and um, was just hoping that somebody would find me, because that's the only thing I had to go off of. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, fast forward 15 years later, we have 23andMe and Ancestry DNA and all of these other companies that um, can process your DNA affordably. Because when those first came out, I was I was looking into them as soon as they were available, and at first it was thousands of dollars, and then it was only a thousand, but it was definitely out of my budget. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, um, years later it it dropped down and at one point it was only $99 I think to get your DNA done and I was like well at this point like I have $99 in my bank account okay I can do that um so so that's what I did in the the early teens um and but up until then I you know I was still looking up things from the police reports and from the, any information I could find, um, 
I even reached out to a social worker at one point who had been on my case. Um, and she was very elderly at that point and was very confused as to how I found her phone number. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I took, I, I did whatever I could do with what the information that I had. And then in the early 2000s or early 2010s, rather, um, I got my DNA done and I figured out my mother's side of the family. Um, and so that was helpful. Um, she has not wanted to have any sort of connection with me, but, um, you said your mother, yes, my biological mm. mother doesn't, doesn't want to have any contact with me and, and doesn't wow. really want to acknowledge that I exist essentially. Um, but so after that happened and I, I realized that that was a dead end, um, but at least I knew part of my story, I kind of tabled it for a little while um, and took a break from looking. And then a couple of years ago, kind of out of the blue, I just all of a sudden was like, you know what? I haven't researched my dad's side of the family hardly at all. And there is this other person out there who might not even know I exist. And maybe he's a wonderful person and I won't know if I don't find him. Right. So um, I would say that was maybe 2019. Oh. Um, and previous to that, I had been uh, through a lot, and, which we talked about a little bit on the last episode. Um, you know, I had... Uh, survived an abusive relationship and I, I had moved around a whole lot after that. And, and I had finally gotten, kind of gotten my feet under me in 2019. And so I reached, uh, reached out to a volunteer group that helps people find their families. Um, and then had this wonderful volunteer named Elaine. Mm. And she was my search angel and she helped me um, look at, the information I already had and helped me piece together a few things. And then she encouraged me to get my ancestry DNA done um, because you get a different pool of people depending on which company you go with. Um, and most people who are not adopted will just pick one, get their DNA done and, and then that's it. Um, but you know, you can match with different people if you're an adoptee and you and you have multiple tests in multiple uh, venues, if you will. Mm -hmm. So she recommended that I do Ancestry because not only would I get different people that would match me, but also she said that people on Ancestry tend to be a little bit more open minded to speaking with you because they're already on there because they're trying to look for family information um, mm -hmm. where 23andMe is is geared a little bit more toward like the health aspect of things and understandably so people might, might want to be a little more private about that mm -hmm. uh, so um so we were having that conversation and then the pandemic happened <laughs> <laughs> um so that got tabled <laughs> and that's the that's the thing about this whole process is um you know, I have, I've had people ask me like, oh, did you never ever stop looking and, you know, just always looking all the time. And, and that's not, that's not how I work. 
anyway, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but I, I needed breaks. <laughs> you know, this is intense stuff going down a rabbit hole of trying to figure out any clues of anything. And then, then you're Googling, you know, fourth cousins and trying to figure out how they might possibly be related to anyone in Wisconsin. You know? <laughs> um, and, you know, there were times where that kept me up all night and, um, and I needed breaks from that from, from time to time. And, um, so for me, it was, it was kind of an ebb and flow and an up and down. And sometimes I would be looking very intensely and then I would take a break, a break for a while. Um, but yeah, so fast forward again. Um, so 2020 happened and I just everything kind of went to the wayside and um, I ended up moving during the pandemic, during 2020 um, and settling into my new place and living alone for the first time in a really long time. Um, I just had a little more headspace available. And so I finally sent in my DNA kit and um, it was actually New Year's of 2021 that I got my DNA kit information back. And Elaine helped me look at some things. And I had a first cousin on there who it's, which is great. Um, a first cousin match is very helpful because that narrows it down a lot. Um, so for people who aren't really aware of how DNA matches work, basically they can predict pretty accurately. It's not perfect, but pretty accurately they can predict how closely related someone is to you based on how much DNA you share. Um, so this person was predicted to be a first cousin match. And that means that one of her uncles had to be my father because I had already figured out who my mother was at that point. Wow. Um, so that narrowed it down a lot um, from because before that, I think, I mean, there were probably dozens of people that were in the, the maybe category. So um so I try. I, I found a few people. Um, there were five brothers. Um, one of them was passed away. So there were four brothers that I could reach out to. And um, the person that I reached out to didn't get back to me. Um, I found him on Facebook. He was connected to some other people that know people in my family. And so I thought, okay, well, this is, this is probably the person. Um, and but, but he didn't get back to me. So, um, I was like, well, okay. I mean, I tried. And then that was a little over a year ago. And then again, life comes through and shakes up all your plans. And I met my partner. And mm -hmm. so we just had our first year anniversary. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and They've just been amazing through this entire process. Let me tell you what a first year together. Um, but I met my, I, I bet I met my partner and a very, very close friend of mine died um, in, and all of these things happened in rapid succession. And then it was 
you know, again, off to the races with the rest of my life for a little while. Um, and then toward the end of last year of 2021, I had the itch again and I went on Facebook and was looking at, uh, these family members and looking at uh, this person that I thought might be my dad and looked at his wife's profile. And it so happened that his wife is part of a Facebook group that I am part of that my partner told me about. Wow. <laughs> wow. So it all kind of gets all meshed together. Um, and so because we were a part of the same Facebook group, which happens to be a group where people share pictures of cats with each other, um, and it has a funny name that is uh, not appropriate for radio, but <laughs> I'll let you guess. Um, and so I was like, well, these are, these are funny people. I, I think I might be, I might have found the right people. Um, <laughs> so um so I reached out to her and I was like, hi, you know, my name is Bethany. I've, I know this is kind of crazy coming out of nowhere. Somebody you've never met, like on the internet, sending you this message out of nowhere. But um, I've been trying to get a hold of your husband. I know that we're related, but I'm not exactly sure how. And um, so I hope that um, you will forward along my information. This is, this is my contact information. And then I, I named some like specific names of people, um, you know, correct spelling and all, um, to validate my information and just, you know, let it fly. So, um, I didn't hear anything and that was maybe, uh, November of 2021. And then, um, I remember I was over at my partner's place. We live right around the corner from each other. And I came back to my place to feed my dogs because I ran out of my extra food at their house. <laughs> and um, I came back home and was feeding my dogs. And I was just like sitting down and playing on my phone a little bit. And I, I just had a moment. I was like, oh, I wonder if she read that yet. Um, and... So while I'm looking to see if she checked it, it looked like it wasn't read. But while I was looking at her profile right after that, she sent me a message. Wow. Yeah. Like while I was looking at it, it was really crazy. Um, and so she got back to me and she said, yes, that's my husband. Uh, and we don't know how you're related, but yes, we will help you. And I cried <laughs> um, because I, you know, especially having the other side of my family just not be interested in connecting at all, like even just getting a, a message back and having somebody be willing to help me figure it out was mm -hmm. just such a huge relief. And, um, and it, yeah, I was just so excited. And so I talked to her husband the day after that. Um, and we talked for quite a while and I told him the long version of the story. Um, and he was like, oh my gosh, like, and, and at this point I was keeping things kind of vague, right? 
um, because I, I wasn't totally sure if it was him or one of his brothers, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to freak him out. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, you know, this is how, da, 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 da. and he goes, oh, well, yeah, no, I know her. I know your mother. Um, I was in a relationship with her and I was like, oh, oh what? And he goes, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying, do you think I'm your dad? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, maybe dot, 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 you know, like, yeah. And he goes, Oh, Bethany, I mean, gosh, like, I wish I was your dad, but I'm not. Mm. And I was like, Oh, really? And he's like, yeah, there's no way. There's no way because I remember your mother and I, I loved her and I wanted to marry her and she dumped me. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And she, it sounds like he, she dumped him pretty hard. And um, and he's like, and that was Valentine's Day of 1981. And I was, I was born in February of 1982. So mm-hmm. he's like, that's 12 months. I don't think that's how it works. Um, and I know for sure that I was born in um, February of 1982 because when I was found... I still had my umbilical cord attached. So there is no question. I was not three months old. Wow. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was very small too. I was um, three pounds, 10 ounces. So there's no way that I was a three month old baby. Um, Mm. And so he goes, well, that just doesn't add up because she dumped me on Valentine's day and there's no way. Um, And I was like, okay all right. And he's like, so I'm sorry that I'm just your uncle, but you're really great. And we can still keep talking. Oh, <laughs> my heart. Yeah. Um, and he was like, and I'm going to welcome you to the family. And I like, I can't wait for you to meet everyone. And, and I was like, well, you know, if you're my uncle that, you know, that I guess that means that one of your brothers is my dad. Right. And he goes, well, yeah, I guess so. And so then he kind of starts going through, well, so-and-so is too young and -and so-and-so just got married, so it can't be him. And -and so-and-so never had any relationships really at all. Like he's, he's just the kind of, he's a solo guy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so he goes, so it must be, it must be Daniel. And I was like, oh, Daniel. And he's like, yeah, you know. Yeah, that, that, that tracks. It could be Daniel. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, interesting. And so he told me more about Daniel's story. And um, it sounds like Daniel had a troubled life, especially later in life. Um, but he was a really sweet person and had, um, he passed away, unfortunately. Um, but he, he was, he loved music and, and um, he had a really interesting life and lived all over the place. And actually he lived close to where I grew up for a while. Um, And so I I really was just like, oh my gosh, like this is a lot to gain a father and lose a father all in one second. Um, But, you know, uh, Greg, 
was like, well, you know, even if I'm just your uncle, like I, I'm, I'm going to be the best uncle I can be. And I'm going to, I'm going to do as much as I can for you. And, you know, I'm sorry that Daniel never got to, got to know you, but like, I, I'm, I'm sure everyone else is going to be thrilled. And, um, so we got to talking and he's like, and in the meantime, I'm going to send in my DNA and I'll have my brothers and sisters send in their DNA. So then we can, we'll confirm that everybody's your aunts and uncles. And then we'll know for sure that it was Daniel. I'm like, okay, great. So we're getting to know each other and sending each other pictures over the course of the next month or so. And then I was home one day and he calls me. And of course I had my phone off. Like I never have my phone off, but I, I did that day. And he called me like three times in a row and I missed it. And um, he calls me and he goes, Bethany, um, I, I had to call you. Like, where have you been? And I'm like, I was just <laughs> in the other room. Like, um, and he's like, you know, I got my DNA back and I'm your dad. What? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, and I was like, like what? <laughs> and he goes, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I never should have said that it wasn't possible because clearly I forgot something. Um, he's like, and Aww. I never forget anything. But um but yeah, and so we just basically cried for a couple hours. I it felt like it, oh, all you know, and I it was just um, so emotional, and um, you know, and he didn't know I existed, so um, yeah. he's going through a lot of processing right now too of like of all of this stuff that has happened in the last forty years that I've been on the planet that he didn't know about. Wow. Unreal. Unreal. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. It has been quite a journey. So wow. Oh so yeah, that's the, that's the long version. <laughs> I love it. I am just like rooting over here. I'm like, yes, go Greg. Go, mm -hmm. go Bethany. Wow. Okay. So your story is giving me goosebumps, Bethany. I am so excited that you got to find your father. And um, speaking of your father, is there something that you would want him to know? If he's listening right now, what would you want him to know? Oh, <laughs> um, oh gosh. I mean, we seriously talk almost every day. Um, so there's a lot that I have already told him and that I think that he already knows a lot. Um, but I think... What I would want him to know is, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking. I never am speechless. It's um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I want him to know that I know that sometimes he, he's got that dad energy of like wishing he could protect me from the world and I think I think based on some things that he said that sometimes he wishes that he could have been there to like protect me better wow. and I want him to know that no matter what I have always been resilient because of him because I got that from him I, I got my never give up 
from him. And that's how we found each other because Mm -hmm. I happened to be the kind of person who doesn't give up easily. And you can't train that into someone. I think that's Mm -hmm. something I was born with. And, um, and I think that he gave me already the best protection he could give me by, by just giving me my DNA and Mm -hmm. making me into the resilient person that I am. So beautiful. His name is Greg, right? Yeah. His name is Greg. Greg, you created and made the most beautiful woman ever. Thank you so much for, for making Bethany. <laughs> oh, man. Is there something that you would want your birth mother to know? Um, gosh, like I've thought about that a lot of times. Um, I think I would... I would want her to know that (sighs) I think I want her to know that I I'm not, you're going to edit this part, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'll cut, yes. <laughs> I, like, I, God, I have so many things I want to say, but I'm, I, I want to say it the way that I mean it. Um, I, I want her to know that no matter what she has done to me, could do to me, that I'm not going away and Mm -hmm. I'm not ashamed to exist. And (laughs) I am not a secret. I am a person. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that she can find it in herself to um, make it right with herself about what happened and with God or the universe or whatever she believes in. I hope that she can find peace. I hope that she can do that for herself and that that's not really about me. Um, I really do I do really do wish her that. I hope that she can find um, some peace within herself. And um, and I want her to know that regardless of what she does, I will always be okay. Mm. It gave me goosebumps. You know, you are not going away. You are not a secret. Oof, I got goosebumps. <laughs> that was good. I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm really proud of you, Bethany. Thank you. Know, you. you still have love in your heart. You still have you know, that goodwill towards her, even though you've been through hell and back, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure there are countless other people that have gone through 
you know, something similar is trying to search for their, you know, birth parents or been adopted. You tell those people that are searching for their birth parents. <sighs> I mean, I feel like the cheesy, um, the cheesy cliche would be to be like, never give up. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to say that because um, it's such a personal journey for everybody. Um, so I think what I'll say instead is that you person out there, you know yourself better than anyone knows you and you get to write your story. You get to decide how your life is going to go. And we as adoptees, we didn't get a choice at the beginning of our lives of how things were going to go for us. Um, but we get to decide all the other steps along the way. I mean, to, to an extent, things happen. Like sometimes life happens to you. Um, but we do get a lot of choices along the way. And you can choose to have your story be one of tragedy, um, or you can choose to take that that awful thing that happened and turn it into something that is good for yourself or for other people. And you can decide what you're gonna do from this point forward, change the past, but we can choose our steps into the future and um, so whatever your journey is, do it. And if that means that you want to try to find your family, then do that. And if that means that you don't want to, then don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and no matter what happens, know that your worth has absolutely nothing to do with what other people do. Like your being on this planet is something bigger than whether this family member or that family member accepts you or loves you or does right by you. I, I am not a lesser person just because somebody didn't want me to be part of their lives, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so everybody gets to decide what they do with this life. And some of us have harder times than others. And I'm not here to have the, the hardship Olympics, <laughs> you know, and try to go for gold. Because there are a lot of people who have a lot of problems that are the same or more than mine. Um, but the problems that I have are ones that I get to decide what to do about. Wow. And that, and I feel like that is probably my biggest lesson I've ever learned in my whole life is that the world might happen to me um, and bad stuff happens to the best of us, but like I get to choose what I'm going to do with it. And at least that is something that I can have agency about, even if I didn't get a choice in a lot of other ways. Wow. You are somebody who has basically written your own story. You have, you know, you have a blank slate. You rewrote this beautiful story for yourself. You've made something beautiful out of your life. 
And I know that despite whatever would have happened, whether you would have found your birth parents or not, I think that you you speak volumes of your character and who you become. And, uh, you know, I think you are a great example to people out there. Well, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean it with all my heart. <laughs> I know you do because you're a very sincere person. Is there any final words to anything else that we've, we missed or you won't be touched? We didn't touch on before we go. Um, shout out to your partner. Your partner is so kind and just want to shout so, you out. <laughs> shout out to Corey. Thank you, Corey, for being with me through this whole process this year. And also huge shout out to my best friend, Cindy, um, who's been with me for way longer than that. Um, <laughs> we're going on two decades. Um, shout out Cindy. Shout out to Cindy, who has seen me through so many stages of my, my processing of all of this. She, she met me before I had figured out any of this stuff and she has seen my ups and my downs and, um, and been there right, right step with me the whole way. And that's what I mean about chosen family. Like, you know, we talk about this in the LGBTQIA++ um, world, too, um, that our chosen family is sometimes the most important family that we have. And that's not to discount my biological family or adopted family. <laughs> Sorry if anyone took that <laughs> the wrong way. Um, but, like, our chosen family is really, really important, too. And that's mm -hmm. another piece of our puzzles of no matter who you are, whether you're adopted or not, like the people that we choose to have closest to us are, become our family in a way. Um, and yeah, um, I think I also like, if there are any um, legislators out there, people in government, politics, what have you, change your adoption laws, change it so that birth certificates are available to adoptees and if that means to, that has to be when they turn 18 fine but there are there are states out there where it is still impossible for adults to find their own birth records why really find out who they are and it is heartbreaking and some of the people that i know from my adoption support groups have been through so much trying to get their their records unearthed just to find out who they are and where they came from and and there there is still a lot of work to be done in that world um so tell your everybody listening tell your local state governments to have birth certificates be available to adult adoptees who want to know who they are because there are people out there who don't even know where they were born or what their real birthday is. And it's just heartbreaking. So wow. there are things that we can do to make this better for other people. Um, and there are things that we can do to, to help the foster care system to make um, life better for, for foster kids and help families stay together as long as they possibly can. And, and if someone does need to be adopted, there are ways that we can support those people too. Um, but there, there's a lot of people out there who 
need support and it's not just people like me. Like there, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other people out there who also are in a similar or even quite different situation that need our love and support as a community. So. Wow. Thank you. That is so important. And I really appreciate that, you know, you thought of that avenue and thank you so much, Bethany, for coming on and sharing your story and for being vulnerable. And I wish the absolute best for you and your, you know, you and your journey. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to talk to you about this and to, to really get a chance to, to let it all out and tell the whole thing. And, um, and again, for every, for anybody out there who is adopted or abandoned or has been through similar sorts of loss and trauma, just know that you're not alone and that your, your life is yours for the taking. And, um, no matter what terrible things have happened to you, you still get to be you at the end of the day and you get to have ownership of your own life and, Mm. and keep going. Mm. That is so beautiful. And with that, we just thank you so much for listening and uh, we hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you, Kimberly. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And I hope that you have a wonderful day. You're staying safe and healthy. And remember, above all else, you matter.